Welcome to Step 1 Success Stories by Physio, Episode 12. Questions I would get wrong, I would go back into first aid, I would highlight or mark, especially if I was getting wrong multiple times to, to tell me that this is something I need to really, really comprehend. And if I marked it a certain number of times, then I'd actually go back to my video resources and make sure I'm not missing anything. And oftentimes when I went back, I found out what I was missing. You're listening to Step 1 Success Stories by Physio, the playbook of those who dominated the USMLE. If you want to learn how to excel on Step 1 and get into the residency of your choice, then you're in the right place. Stay tuned and join the thousands of others who have mastered Step 1 concepts using physio.com. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode. Today we interview Chisitom Ibezum who is a fourth-year medical student. And to help me with this interview, I'm here with my co-host, Rhett Thompson. How's it going? Super good. What's new with you, Michael? Oh, let's see. I guess uh, recently I went on a camping trip up in the mountains with my son, Benton. <laughs> He's four years old. He'll be five in the next couple of weeks. And it was so fun. He just loved it. I took him camping one time last year with his little brother. And I was going to take... Oliver, who's his little brother this year again, but unfortunately he's been like potty training and just like having a really hard time going to sleep at night. So I thought, well, I guess I'll just go with Benton and we can spend some time together. So went up to the mountains, some family was there and he was just running around with his little friends and having a good time, roasted some marshmallows, ate some, some good old camping food. It was, it was good times. That's awesome. Yeah, my wife's been wanting me to go camping and enjoy the, the summer and the mountains. And it's just hard to do. I'm just not a camp kind of guy, but <laughs> but I always love it after I do it. It's just hard to prepare for it and stuff. Well, let's talk about our guest. So today's guest, as Michael mentioned, is Chisitan. He's a fourth year medical student at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, and he has plans to apply to orthopedic surgery. What was so interesting about this interview is just how many questions he went through. He did all of RX, he did all of Kaplan, and he did UWorld twice. Super impressive. And he also used Physio. In fact, we've had his review. He gave us this stellar review, and it's been on our site for over a year now, I think. And just this awesome review explaining just how useful Physio was for him and reaching his awesome score. So we appreciate him saying that. And it's nice to finally talk to him about the details of his study routine. And I think you'll find this really fascinating. Let's bring him on. All right, Tom. welcome to the show, man. We're super excited to have you. How are you doing today? No, I'm doing pretty good. It's been a good day. Can't complain. Awesome. Well, let's start from the beginning. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you interested in medicine. I was born and raised in Austin, Texas. Most of my life, when I was growing up, when I was really young, I thought I'd be a firefighter. I was really into the whole saving people, saving people's lives. I was really a comic book fanatic at the time too. So all of that was kind of like my thought process. And as years went by when I was pretty young in elementary school, I found like a niche in, in science and organic stuff and biology. And in late middle school, early high school, won a couple of science fairs. And then in early high school, a friend of mine, his dad, he was an ENT doc and he approached me. He knew me from the elementary school and, um, and he told me about this Explore program they were doing down at the um, Seton Medical Centers in Austin. And at the time, they actually, the program had closed its applications, but he was associated with the leadership. 
And he really wanted to give me a chance because he thought that I should consider a medical career, something I honestly never thought about because I never really had much exposure until that time. But he saw I had an aptitude towards science and I liked saving people to some degree from what I was really had my head around when I was growing up. So he gave me that opportunity. And one of the first things I saw in that Explore program was a Tony Arthroplasty and it just blew my mind away. And from that point on, I was very excited about medicine. I didn't realize that that was a career for me, but thanks to him and thanks to that program, I fell in love with it. I told myself I was going to pursue this moving forward. That's awesome. So if I understand correctly, you pretty much knew that you were going into medicine by the time you were in high school. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. I was about freshman, sophomore, in between freshman and sophomore year when this program was open to me and honestly sealed the deal. So that sounds like a really good opportunity. And was that available for anyone or how exactly did you get involved with that? So my friend, his dad was DNT, and the friend I had, he knew me from elementary school that I had this thing for science and just told his dad. And then he found me one day and said, hey, I have this program. You know, we already have students selected to join us, but if you're interested, you should really seek this out. Kind of tap me on the shoulder, essentially saying, I see you have this potential for medicine. It's something I feel like you should look into. And that was kind of it. Honestly, really lucky at the time because applications, I think, had been closed for about two weeks. So it, it was definitely a gift. Yeah, that's very fortunate that you had the connections and you were able to get into that. It sounds like a really good experience. So once you had that experience, you decided to go to undergrad with the idea of going to medical school and eventually got into the University of Missouri, Kansas City. Maybe you could take us to that moment in time and just kind of the first few days or first few weeks of medical school and tell us a little bit about that experience and what that was like for you. And my medical school is not per se normal. It's um, a six-year BAMD program. So it essentially takes you right out of high school. It's guaranteed medical school admission, kind of combines a lot of the undergrad in the first couple of years with the more medical school focus in the last few years. However, there were some times in the early years we were doing medical school stuff, kind of taking it back to the early clinical years, especially when we did more medical-related courses, it was a lot. I remember stepping into one of our first classes called Human Structure and Function, and it was tough because you're used to studying your way, and usually your way is what gets you through a lot of things pretty well. A lot of medical students you know, are top achievers, and it's easy to continue studying in your own style. But then when it gets really tough, especially in my HSF course, I would say, it took some adjustment, really seeing the volume that's getting thrown at you. It's amazing, though, because you get to learn so much and we're privileged to get to learn so much. But at the same time, it is so much that you have to be able to grasp and be able to understand and be able to find ways to study in such a short period of time. I think that was the biggest opener for me, having to relearn how to study in a way in the first couple of weeks. Yeah, I think a lot of people can resonate with that. I certainly felt that way. I think most medical students feel that way. You get into medical school and you're so used to learning, at, you know, a slower pace and then they basically turn on the fire hose and you have to drink from it. <laughs> I'm curious, during the first two years of kind of like your combined program, was that like a lot easier? And then once you actually got into the medical aspect, was that suddenly when it became a lot more difficult? It's interesting, actually, because I love staying medicine. I love studying anatomy, a lot of that. The undergrad stuff, I mean, I think the challenging aspect behind it was just the volume and trying to balance doing that on top of also making sure you stay up to date with the medicine aspect of things. I would say as the years went by, 
not that it got easier, but as you do the things you love more, it doesn't feel as much work versus when doing things that maybe you don't like as much. And I feel like during the first couple of years trying to get through the undergrad aspect of things, it was hard, but I would say the stuff that we did later on, harder, but more enjoyable to the point where the things I do now, it's still difficult, you know, studying for your exams and keeping up with your clinical practice and all of that. But at the same time, because it's what you want to do, it's a different feel to it. But I'd say in the earlier years, it was harder, strenuous versus now it's hard, but enjoyable. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. And, you know, that's that's something that Michael and I have talked about a lot in the past because we both went to the same undergrad. And I just remember going through a lot of those general education courses, you know, courses I would never choose to take had I not been essentially forced to, you know, and it got exciting. Even when I started to be able to take courses, just ones that I chose at all, even if they weren't really medical, I remember being excited that it was at least some, you know, taking like general chemistry, which I totally didn't like, but I remember the excitement was that it was one of the pre-med courses and I'm moving towards medicine in a way. And then it got even more real. And once you start medical school, you're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy hard, but it's medicine. And you're so excited. Yeah. So I, I totally understand what you're saying. One quick question I have about your undergrad and combined med school. Did you start with the same cohort and finish all the way through, or was that a lot more variety in your classmates? In our program, we start with the same cohort. However, when we go through our undergrad courses, we might be with some other students in different tracks and different career paths. However, we still have the same cohort program advancing each year, taking the same medical school requirements. However, the undergrad just might differ depending on what they came in with, AP, college credit, and whatnot. Some people came in with enough credit to where they didn't really have to do much undergrad versus some people had to do more of those classes on top of other things. So I'd say the undergrad stuff, you'd see different people, but overall, you're still with your same cohort as the years go by. You know, I am actually pretty jealous about your situation there. I think that's so cool that you were able to do that in six years. I just reflect back on my undergrad. I'm just thinking, man, I could have saved so much time and just jump right into my career, more or less. Granted, I took five years and that's not necessarily the school's fault. It has to do with the major that I chose. So I ended up doing like sign language and, and other stuff, which just took longer. That's pretty cool. At the same time, I wonder, <laughs> it would have been cool to like blitz through this and maybe that style of education will become more popular. At least that's my hope. Yeah. And, and I know in some places in Europe, it's actually one of the norms. And there used to be some other accelerated programs in the country, but I can't think of too many in the top of my head. Yeah, that's really cool. So I guess the takeaway is if you're a pre-med or maybe even in high school and you're really serious about medicine, maybe look at some of those opportunities. Sounds like a really, really great one. So once you got in, you know, you are getting used to the whole program and you're officially in medical school. At that point, what exactly were you doing to study for class? And did step one even cross your mind at that point? Yeah, earlier on, it really didn't. I mean, my my main concern earlier on was making sure I could do the best I could. What that looked like for me, I'm a huge flashcard person, at least I used to be, definitely. I would go to Office Depot or wherever it is and just preemptively buy 400 flashcards and I'd save them because I know I'd just pull them out of my backpack. People used to know me as the guy like, oh, you need flashcards? Oh, yeah, she will help you out. I'm like, okay, yeah, I got some left over if I didn't use it for that last test. So a lot of my time earlier on was definitely making a lot of flashcards and making review packets for myself. So I would, before lecture, I like to read ahead and make sure I at least know a little bit of what's going on. I do that before I even hear the professor lecture on that topic only because I don't want to be left behind and I can easily follow and things make more sense. 
That way, when I go to lecture, those things are clearer. I can follow better terminology. I'm not going to get stuck on when, you know, they say something that's so foreign to me and then I'm stuck for the next five minutes trying to figure out what they just said, but they're moving on in the lecture. I found that before I did this, that that would happen to me a lot. So then I would make sure I did my stuff before. And then after lecture, I'd go make flashcards on the topic, make my review packets. And then honestly, the last phase would just be reviewing those, going to the flashcards over and over again, rereading the review packets. But I would say the biggest part of all my studying was making sure I did the stuff beforehand because the times when I didn't do that are the times when I uh, did do my best. Interesting. Okay. So you were actually like handwriting flashcards out. Yes. So you were preparing before the class. What exactly were you using to prep for the class? Did they have some sort of video that they gave you beforehand and said, hey, watch this? Or were you using some sort of book that they had recommended? Or what were you making your flashcards from before you'd go to class? Most of it would be from the text they provided. Sometimes if I found good supplemental books or text, I would use those too. But for the most part, it was the stuff they provided. I didn't really deviate too much from those. Video-wise, I'd say I use supplementary videos more after lecture on things that I was really still rocky on. But the flashcards I made beforehand and after were mainly from the text that the professor provided. That just uh, kind of reminded me of an experience I had in undergrad with Rhett. I remember when we were studying for the MCAT, Rhett uh, used to carry around this huge backpack of flashcards. And it was like, I kid you not, it was like three feet high of flashcards. And he was just like churning through those things, making me nervous. I'm like, holy crap, this kid's insane. <laughs> do, I need, do I need to be... <laughs> I can relate. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny. It's kind of old school. You know, now a lot of people are using like Anki and other flashcard systems. Yeah. And it was popular when I started using my flashcards too. I tried using Anki to some degree. And honestly, I couldn't figure it out. I think if I had figured out how to use it, well, I might have switched to that. But just because I was comfortable with flashcards for so long, I just, I did what was... You know, comfortable for me moving forward. Yeah. And I think that's the most important thing. You know, you got to find what works for you and what you feel comfortable with and stick with it. But I think for the time you were studying, that was probably a good option. So you did that up until what time? Did you do that all throughout your first and second year and then not even really think about step one until like dedicated? Or when did you start getting serious about step one? So I did a lot of flashcard and review packets really yeah, for the majority of what would be equivalent for me, a year one, year two medical student. And then I started getting more serious about step one towards the equivalent of my first year as an M1. For me, an M1 would be year three in my program. So I'm just kind of making sure the math math adds up. But I got more serious then, and it was about August of that year. And I started planning out how I wanted to study, how I wanted to approach it. And I knew from the get-go, because I tried out something for a couple of weeks that flashcards weren't going to work, only because... It takes me a while to write them down. And for the volume of step one study and how the pace I wanted to go at, it just wasn't going to work. But yeah, I started considering it halfway through my M1 near the end of that year and really started picking it up at the beginning of my second year. Okay. So mostly just focused on class for like the first year of medical school. And then towards the end of the first year, really started thinking about step one and realized the flashcard system wasn't going to work for you. What did you do at that point? What kind of resources did you investigate and what did you start to use? Even during the time I was thinking about it, I had already acquired first aid and I knew that this was going to be my source moving forward. But 
as I was finishing up the courses in the later half of that first year, I would reference first aid and I'd make some notes in there based off what I saw in my courses. Nothing, nothing too much, just a little bit to get me to know what's really pertinent for step one. And then as it came closer to start studying for it, I looked into first what kind of banks I want to use and how did I want to use them. And then am I a video person or am I a book person? Like I talked to a lot of people. They say you want to figure that out first. And for me, I'm definitely more visual. Things just stick with me better. And so I knew that whatever I was going to use, more than likely it would be a series or at least one or two video sources in combination with first aid and pathoma that came up too. That's always a, one of the ones people always say to use. And so as I was doing all this, I was just kind of shifting through all the different types of stuff out because there's so much. And I landed on essentially a primary video source, a secondary video source, and then Pathoma and First Aid essentially as my book sources. And then using my First Aid book as kind of where I put all my notes from all my other sources. That way, when I go back and review that First Aid book, it contains not only what's in there, but also what I gathered from everywhere else essentially. But the process of trying to find out and look at what works and what didn't did take some time. I'd say it took most of my August, actually, that year. How did you go about researching what to use and what you felt like was going to work for you or not work for you? It was really tough. I'll say, um, definitely, first of all, talking to the upperclassmen is where I started, you know, because they had just taken it. They knew what was the trend. So talking with them kind of gave me the generality of what's used and hearing multiple people say the same things kind of told me, okay, this seems really common. One person said one thing and two out of three of the other people say the same thing. I can see that that's the general popular thing that's being used. And then a lot of online searching. It was never really easy to see consensus online per se because a lot of people have a lot of different opinions. But after talking to people in person, looking online, you can kind of get a feel for the main things that people use. So for me, what I found was specifically Lords and Beyond, one of them, and then someone actually introduced me to physio, which at the time wasn't as wide known because this was back in late 2017. Yeah. August of 2017. Yeah. That would have been right as we like just finished our product. Yeah. And so then I just wanted to look into all of them. So I definitely say as one hears all of these things to definitely go look at it because I felt like if I hadn't looked at certain things and I wouldn't have found what I wanted, physio in particular, actually. Interesting. Okay. So what drew you to the different resources? You mentioned that you talked to some upperclassmen and then you did some studying online, came to the consensus that you were going to, if I understand correctly, use boards and beyond, and then some physio. How did you decide for yourself that you were going to use boards and beyond and physio after you know hearing the advice from other people? They had sample videos, and I took a look at them, see if they kind of fit what I like. Everyone's different. Some people like videos that are very to play, and some people like those that are more drawn out per se, and so you just find a good middle. So I just watched the sample videos. I kind of did a few, not just once, to see how I worked with it, if it was compatible with me, if the style was something I liked. Because sometimes people might feel as if certain videos are too long or drawn out or, or whatever. I just did a few samples and saw if it was something that could just fit with my schedule, fit with my style of learning. And it did. And those things definitely fit with me. And so I stuck with them. What were some of the things that you liked about Boards and Beyond and Physio as you were investigating them? I definitely, with Boards and Beyond, I would say how concise and how well it was able to take complicated concepts and really bring it into something that was simple. 
I mean, not that anything that we have learned is simple, but brought a lot of difficult concepts constructed in a way that I could easily piece together in the 20, 15, maybe 30 minute video that was being presented to me. And it wasn't all over the place. It wasn't too in detail. Because sometimes some resources might go too in detail. I didn't really want that because knowing myself, I'm the kind of guy who's going to scrutinize everything. If you give me all the really small details, I'm going to try and memorize all small details. I'm going to try and go that far. And sometimes, especially for step, when you have to make sure you do a lot, that may not be so beneficial. So I like the fact that it was very concise and specific. With regards to physio, I mean, I'm a visual learner. And physiology, for me in particular, was a little difficult initially, just grasping it. But the clarity and conciseness that was presented was by far the best thing for me. There were some stuff that I didn't even realize, I didn't even understand that well until it was just laid out in front of me so easily. I'm like, wow, that seems so simple. Why didn't I get that when I was doing this however many uh, years ago? So that's what I really like. It gives you a lot of what you need and not anything you don't, essentially. That's really cool to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. A lot of the things you're saying, I think resonate with a lot of students and, and students just sitting in class, listening to their, their professors at their medical school. I think a lot of times professors like to go into detail that might not be helpful. The professor's thinking to themselves, you know, this is just something I want to tell the students because it might add an interesting dimension to what they're learning in this concept. But what they don't realize is the students like really invested in everything that the professor's saying. If the professor goes off on like a tangent and they're thinking that it's helpful, a lot of times the student's just thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to memorize that now. Like, how does this fit in? And it becomes stressful. So I appreciate what you're saying there because I think a lot of students can relate to that. Get to the punchline, you know, and give the detail and explain it in a way that's concise, comprehensive without getting any other extra fluff. Definitely. And on top of that, especially in regards to the physio, one of the best things I found about it, especially when I did the first few videos, was how at the very end, I would be asked questions that were very pertinent to that. And in fact, I found that throughout the entire video series, it's physiology, but at the same time, it does touch on anatomy. It touches on bits and pieces here and there about everything else to the point where actually during my dedicated, I would do the physio videos first to get that ground level physiology knowledge and make sure I understood that. At the same time, the videos gave me that anatomy and everything else to where I got a really good outline and then tackled the other aspects of my study plan or other study material to reel it in. That's really awesome to hear. We love hearing about how people use physio and when people say they find it helpful, it's really encouraging for us. I think that's interesting what you're saying about the physiology resource back then, because now we've added so much more to the platform. We actually have like a dedicated anatomy section, but it's kind of interesting because when we created the physiology aspect, it was super integrated and that's kind of how we approach every topic. You know, it's like really integrated with a lot of other topics often in terms of like the questions that we ask and stuff like that. And so I could see how it's perceived as kind of being this integrated resource with some anatomy and some pathophys and we're glad that it came across that way and that it was ultimately helpful for you. Definitely. Cool. So you started using Boards and Beyond. You started using Physio. You were using First Aid and kind of annotating some things. And then did I understand correctly, you were using Pathoma as well? Yes, yes. I had already used Pathoma through my pathology course. So a lot of the videos I had already watched and the book I already annotated. So when I went through it again, it was a lot faster to go through. And it was also a big help was doing Pathoma during pathology and also doing Sketchy Micro during microbiology. I if hadn't used those resources during my actual courses and it would have been hard to use those resources during my step studying. Right, yeah. 
Okay. So you also use Sketchy Micro. And then you mentioned QBanks earlier. You said UWorld, correct? UWorld, yep. Did you use like RX or Kaplan or other QBanks? The one did it. So I got lucky. I had won this RX, one of those free few month things. That was early on in my, before my second year. So I actually activated that during my pathology course. I had used RX during the courses just to kind of help me for the tests. And, you know, sometimes just because of how courses work, a lot of the test questions in the courses are necessarily all related to step one. However, by doing those at that time, it really did get me acclimated to thinking, okay, even though I might not see this on my upcoming exam, definitely I should be aware that in the year to come, these could potentially be things I need to focus on for step one. Didn't give it so much attention per se, but it definitely helped get my mind ready for that. And I think that helped make a difference. And so I only really used RX in that time. And then during my actual step studying, the majority was UWorld. Used that throughout that time, through it almost twice. And then in the month before I took step, I bought the Kaplan and finished that in that month. Only because I already utilized all my UWorld twice over. Wow. <laughs> That's impressive. You did a lot of questions then. Okay. So it was a lot, it was a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> question. Yeah. So you did RX kind of leading up to your dedicated and didn't really touch your world until you're dedicated. Is that right? Yep. Okay. And when was dedicated for you? March through April. Okay. So you had like six to eight weeks or so to have a dedicated time and then take step one. Is that right? Yep. Okay. So during those two months, you started to go through your world and you finished it twice before your dedicated ended? Oh, sorry. I mean to say during the time before dedicated, I've actually already gone through UWorld the first time. And then when I got dedicated, that's when I finished the second time. Oh, I see. Okay. So when did you start UWorld for the first time? I went back in late fall before that year. Went back to like November. Okay. And you were balancing this with your coursework simultaneously then, correct? Yep. Can you walk us through your day-to-day of how you approached doing UWorld and simultaneously doing classwork, like maybe how many questions a day were you doing, that kind of thing? I tried to do a lot of my coursework, busy work, more end of the day when I was more fatigued, just because I wanted to save a lot of my energy for questions. So I'd usually start the day by doing 40 questions, and then I'd review those, and then I'd touch the topics on my resources, depending on what I was studying that day, what system I was doing. But I would make sure I started the day with questions. And then after I did specific system reviews, depending on what I was studying that day, I finished that probably around mid-afternoon, late afternoon-ish. And then I'd spend about late afternoon till early late evening doing about three more blocks to squeeze it out. I tried to do four that didn't end up happening all the time. Typically, it was about two, three blocks. So in total, usually three to four blocks in a day. Wow, that's a lot. And you know, with that kind of regimen, it sounds like you'd be able to get through a lot of questions, which you did. <laughs> so that's kind of yeah. cool. <laughs> so, so how long would you spend in the review process? When you complete the block of questions, you can review and, and some people take different amounts of time or different degrees of detail in, in how they comb through those reviews and explanations. What was your system like? Yeah. So it, originally when I started, it was definitely, my review time was a lot longer than when it was leading up to step one. Usually if I'd finish a block, it would take me maybe two hours to review it. And that was tough. As time went on, however, as I got more knowledgeable and got more comfortable and confident with things, my review time shrunk down to usually no more than an hour, hour and a half, really. So I was able to do my blocks, you know, within an hour and then review it within another hour, kind of closer to step within those last few months. It got down to about 
50, 45 minutes of reviewing each block only because I was really familiar with the concepts by that time. I had gone through things a bit more. So it changed as time went along, I'd say. Okay, cool. So did you take notes in your first date? I know that you said you incorporated some notes from some of your resources into your first date. So you could make your first aid book like a consolidated good reference and review of what you've learned. Oh yeah, definitely. Did you do that with questions? I did that with questions too. And I did it to where I kind of color coded. So I made one color of notes in there, what I gathered from boards and beyond. I made another color in my first aid book, what I gathered from physio. And then another color is what I gathered from doing questions and reviewing those. And all of those ended up in my first aid book. I had to go get it bounded because it was just a mess and (laughs) turning pages. It was you know, so much, so many notes on one page, but at the same time, it allowed me to really kind of see what was important and how to integrate that and really how to, it was a good way to review all of it at one time when I went through first aid again. Awesome. So a couple questions. What color was physio, your physio notes? (laughs) Blue. (laughs) All right. Blue. I like that. That's it. Um, And then second question, what was your system for reviewing? Like what would draw you back to your first aid book? Would you try to read through a certain amount of pages every day during your dedicated or, or do you rely on flashcards? What was your system? Uh, my system was more uh, organ system based. Originally, when I go through, did system by system, usually give a few days for system, say like two to three days for cardiology, another two to three days for pulmonology, GI. As I would review, as I would do questions, when I first started doing those systems, I did questions based off the system originally. Usually that first 40 was based on whatever system I was doing that day. So then when I review that first set of questions from the morning, that was purely the system I wanted to focus on, study, and master. And then when I would review questions from the rest of the day, it was all combined and random. And so then reviewing questions I would get wrong, I would go back into first aid, I would highlight or mark, especially if I was getting multiple times to, to tell me that this is something I need to really, really comprehend. And if I marked it a certain number of times, then I'd actually go back to my video resources and make sure I'm not missing anything. And oftentimes when I went back, I found out what I was missing. That was a really good help for me because it's so hard to go through so much of that at so much of the time. It's easy to miss stuff as you go through. So things I would repetitively miss or concepts that I just weren't getting, I would go back and open those video sources and make sure I stopped getting those wrong. That's really cool. You know, I think a lot of people who are successful, like you were, end up using their weaknesses to really guide their study and go back to those original resources to try to dive deeper. And just so I'm clear, you said you would mark your first aid book? Yep. Okay, cool. And then as you're reviewing the questions, you'd say, okay, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting this. I routinely struggle in this. It's about time I go and like really dive deeper again. Exactly. Yep. Okay, cool. That's really smart. You know, it sounds like you just use that to guide your study as opposed to a spaced repetition, like through flashcards. At this point, you weren't using flashcards, right? Yeah, no, at this point, I, you wouldn't see a flashcard on me at all. <laughs> okay. Okay, yeah. cool. So, you know, that's cool. I think that a lot of people find that a little bit intimidating. You know, I think the fear of forgetting is... Exactly. Yeah. yeah and it sounds like that... Did you have feelings like that? When I was talking with people and I was scared that, oh, if I'm not doing everything, you know, equally per se, that I'm going to forget the things that I'm not focusing on. But the way I thought of it as time went on and as I saw the test scores in the ballpark that I wanted, it was apparent that, I mean, the stuff that I knew well, I knew well enough to where I can spend my time doing the stuff I'm not good at. Because I figured at the end of the day, everything's said and done, 
it doesn't make sense to necessarily spend so much time on the things you're already good at when you can use that time to be better at the things that are going to drag you down. That way, when everything's said and done, you are well-rounded and you don't have to worry too much about not knowing everything because you would have, theoretically, by doing all of this, you have mastered a lot to get you through. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, a lot of people use Anki and it's because, well, part of the reason is because, you know, there's spaced repetition and the topics that you're weaker at tend to show up more frequently. And those that you're not as good at tend to get pushed away. But it sounds like you were really able to use the question banks as an alternative strategy that allowed you to pinpoint your weaknesses and then go and study those. So that's really cool, really smart. And I think that just points to the fact that there's a strategy for everyone. And as we continue doing these interviews, it's really interesting because the strategies are so varied, yet a lot of the people that we interview have done extraordinarily well in step one. So I think one of the takeaways so far early on in this podcast for us is find what works for you and, and stick with it. Definitely. So let's transition a little bit, if that's all right with you. And I want to talk a little bit more about your dedicated period and your day-to-day schedule, as well as dive into a little bit more detail on you world and how exactly you approach that. You know, some people will do tutor mode, whereas other people will do timed random. How did you approach you world and what, what exactly did your dedicated period look like for you? During my dedicated period, I would say you world, I tried to never use tutor mode on it only because I just felt as though if I did that, seeing the answers as I would go through might change or kind of guide my thought process. And I wanted to try and keep as genuine as possible. If I didn't really know the answer or the question well enough when I first saw it, I wanted to make sure I got that wrong if I didn't know it versus if I used tutor mode questions as I would read, questions that I get later on, I might get right, but I wasn't sure did I get that right because of what I just saw or did I get that right because I knew it. So I've tried to make sure during dedicated, I didn't use tutor mode. Typical day kind of looks similar to the previous ones where I'd get up and do questions. The only difference in this situation was that I really also wanted to build my stamina because, you know, step one is such a, it's a beast of a test. It's eight hours. It it does wear you down. So I wanted to make sure that I kind of got my mind ready for that. So in the morning when I woke up, first thing I did typically was go work out, get my mind right. I'm fortunate to have a gym downstairs. So I just go do a little run, do a little lift. Afterwards, I would eat light breakfast, what I would eat similar to on my test date. When I first started out, I would try and do three to four blocks in the morning straight and then take the time to review all those afterwards. And then kind of similar to the last time, things I'm weak on, go back and look at that, review those videos, review those concepts. And then in the night, I would, I also had um, Firecracker, which kind of similar to Anki to some degree, except the cards are pre-made for you. So in the night, I would just go and do a set amount of questions or a set amount of cards. As dedicated went forward, I tried to increase that. So it got to the point where I'd wake up and I would start doing questions around the time that I would actually take my step exam later that year. And I would do six to seven blocks with a little break here and there in between each one to kind of simulate the exam. And then I'd spend most of the morning just doing questions. And then that would leave me with most of the afternoon and sometimes most of the evening reviewing all those questions. And then also doing the video sources, depending on what system I wanted to review. More so in the early decade period is when I would do the systems. And I finished those about three and a half weeks. I finished all my systems, cardiology, GI, pulmonology, finished all of that as it relates to boards and beyond and physio. And then later on, it just became questions all day to the point where I was doing a good 
at least eight blocks a day to really simulate that. But it was tiring, <laughs> um, I'd say. <laughs> that sounds exhausting to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think back to my dedicated, and for me personally, I don't think that would have worked very well just because that's so many questions. I remember after doing like two blocks and reviewing them, I was just like, oh man, my brain's kind of fried and I need to you know, start doing some other things. But again, you know, that worked for you. So that's awesome. You're able to stick with it. I think I'm only successful because I've already been through UWorld once. So going through it again in that dedicated period, it was easier to get through reviewing the questions. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So I have a couple questions about UWorld. You had mentioned you started doing it on timed and you didn't do tutor mode. So first off, before dedicated, you had already completed UWorld. So when you first did UWorld, the first pass, was it also not on tutor mode? Did you timed random and did, did you do like 40 set blocks? Yeah, same thing even during that time. I only, I didn't do tutor mode either. Okay, and, and it was totally random every time? Not every time. Sometimes I would tailor it to what I wanted to do that day. So if I was doing cardiology or GI, I would tailor it to that to start out with. Once I got through enough systems, then I made it random at that point. Yeah, looking back, I think for a lot of people early on during the year, you probably haven't covered you know, maybe one or two organ systems. So if you're getting a lot of those random questions, it can be kind of hard and almost pointless to do those. Definitely. I didn't make a random until I had enough systems to be confident that I knew a good amount to actually answer the question. Okay. And then once you got in dedicated, it was kind of the same thing, but this time completely random, timed, and you do like 40 set questions per block, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So what I'm curious about is, what made you decide to pick up the Kaplan question bank? And I'm curious what impact you think that question bank going through all those questions had on your score you ended up getting. So I got that in the last three weeks and I did it because I'd run out of questions since I'd done UWorld so many times over that I just wanted to make sure, you know, were I getting these questions correct because I knew them enough or just because I had seen them again. And I wasn't quite sure. So I got Kaplan to basically give myself another set of questions to go through. And I didn't review the Kaplan as much, only there wasn't as much time to do so. So I didn't get to really review each block the way I do world. But I used that more assessment-wise to see if there was any gaps or any deficits in what I had obtained from everything else leading up to that point. So I'd say it was definitely a major help because it really showed me whatever businesses I had left, it exposed them. Versus when I was going through the second time, because there was a familiarity in the questions I saw, it didn't expose as well as Kaplan did at the time. Okay, awesome. So it sounds like it was really useful. And it, it's interesting to hear you ended up using all three question banks rather effectively. I say all three, obviously there's more than just those three, but but the ones that come to mind, like RX, UWorld, and then Kaplan, it, it sounds like you really maximized your efforts and really got through those. I'm curious now, did you take any NBMEs? Oh, yeah. I didn't use all of them. There were five or six available. I did four of the NBMEs in total, as well as one Kaplan test and then the two UWorld assessments. Okay, so you skipped out on a, on a couple of those. On a couple, yeah. What was your reasoning for that? Well, one of them I was told wasn't necessarily a good one. You know, some of them have been there for so long. I was just told that one of them is very underpredictive. So I kind of stayed away from that one. And then I just didn't do, I think there were six because I remember just not doing two. And then the other one, I, I just, at the time I had done so many, I'd done all the other stuff too. I just felt I didn't necessarily need to do another MBME. My scores were at the park I needed them to be in. I felt ready at the time. Did you feel like your MBMEs were predictive of your actual score? 
They were, and I'd say overall, they kind of underpredicted a little bit. Not by a lot, a few points. I'd say the most predictive was the U-World assessment. Actually, I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, one of my U-World assessments hit my score, like right in the exact number. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it seems like from a lot of people, we've heard that uh, the MBMEs tend to be just a little bit more predictive and the U-World assessments tend to be a little bit less predictive. But it sounds like that was not the case for you, which is interesting. But not by a lot. I mean, the MBMEs, they were close. The closest one was only off by, I mean, just two points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It It was pretty close. One more question before maybe you share with us the score you got, but you know, I'm, I'm curious about the idea of using UWorld two times. Some people argue that it's almost pointless to do it because you know you kind of already know all the answers, whereas other people swear by it. Um, could you maybe talk about your thought process of why you chose to do that, and then did you feel like it ultimately helped you? Oh yeah, for sure. And I talked to one of my, my peers about it too. I think for me, what helped me do it that many times over, you know, twice over was that my initial run through was earlier in the previous year, you know, late October, November-ish of the year prior. And so by the time I had already run through my first time at UWorld, going through it again, it'd been so long, relatively so long since the last time I did UWorld. So for me, did I see questions that I recognized? Yeah, it happens. But at the same time, the majority of questions I did know right off the bat, I really had to think about it and really bring in the concepts and um, show, my, show my mastery at that point. So I'd say it was a big help to me running through it twice over. Personally, I don't think it would have been had I done you twice so close together. Like had I done it twice over within the same month, I actually, I'm not sure if it would have been as helpful. But I think what helped me was the long span in which I utilized it because I can't remember specific questions I did way back in November, October, by the time it's, you know, April, May. That's super interesting because, you know, I think that if you do a question two weeks prior and then you see it again, it's probably not going to make a difference. But like you say, you know, if there's like a, a wide time gap between when you finish UWorld the first time and approach it the second time, you probably have forgotten a lot of the information. So I could see how that could be more useful in that case. Mm. Really cool. Okay, well, so obviously you did really well. Would you mind sharing with us in the audience uh, what score you got on step one? Yeah, certainly. I scored a 256. Yeah, that's a really awesome score. And it sounds like your MBMEs and kind of the UWorld assessments had really predicted that. So you probably felt pretty confident going into your test day, I would imagine. Definitely. (laughs) Well, congrats again. That speaks to how hard you worked. It obviously came out pretty clearly in this interview. I felt like, you know, you spent a lot of time just going through those question banks that seemed to be kind of a a key part of of your strategy and using some of the video resources. So I think our our listeners have a lot to learn from from your strategy and we appreciate you coming on and, and sharing that with us. Before we let you go, is there any last parting words of advice that you'd give to a medical student preparing for step one? Oh yeah, for sure. I'd say the biggest thing, especially in you know, the month leading up to it, is really to go into it with as little stress as you can. I mean, it's, that sounds impossible because it's you know one of the biggest tests you take. But at the same time, your health and all that is actually really important. I made sure to keep eating, I exercise. Day before I took it, I didn't study at all, played basketball, went shopping, cook food that night. I mean, being really relaxed as much as you can be, despite what you're facing, really helped a lot in terms of calming my nerves and keeping myself confident. I feel like that did make a huge difference compared to going into it very stressed and not in your best self in terms of your health and whatnot. I'd say definitely just keeping up with that is is very key. Great advice. Thanks, Jizzatom. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on our show. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. 
Hey everyone, thanks for listening to today's episode. Be sure to go to our website at physio.com to check out our growing library of free Step 1 videos. You can also find our physio group on Facebook to join our growing community of students preparing for Step 1. If you've been enjoying the episodes and have been getting value from the content, here are three easy ways that you can support us. One, press the subscribe button on the platform you're listening to this on. Two, leave us a review. To do that, just go to physio.com slash podcast. Three, find your friends who are in medical school or interested in medical school and tell them about the podcast. Thanks for listening and join us next time.